Welcome to It Starts With Beer. I'm your host, Will Sis. And on this episode, you have the privilege of hearing my interview with Daryl Neal, a.k.a. D. Neal, of the Beer Talk Now podcast. This episode is brought to you by Back East Brewing in Bloomfield, Connecticut. Their recent taproom expansion with indoor and outdoor seating makes Back East the perfect place to enjoy excellent beers like Ice Cream Man IPA, Recoucha IPA, their award-winning Porter, and any of the other delicious beers in their ever-changing lineup. Go to BackEastBrewing.com for more information. Dean Neal is an Oakland, California native who lives in the Bay Area. As host of the podcast Beer Talk Now, Dean Neal gets to talk to brewers and other folks connected to the Bay Area beer scene. We strapped on our virtual reality headsets for this one to explore the Bay Area pub, a cyber world of my own creation. Let's listen in. All right, Dean Neal, I'm so glad that uh, you made it. You, it looks like you got the virtual reality headset. You got that? Is that fitting all right? I'm, I'm, uh, it's fitting nice. I'm loving it. Okay. Uh, this is fun. I had, I had when I listened to your episode 26 with the uh, 512 Brood, uh, I was like, yeah, he got to send me one of these as well. Like, we can't. Yeah, you just keep up in the game, right? Next thing I, you know, it'll just be a box that I walk in and, and we can just see each other. Okay, yeah, that's, that's where we're going. That is the ultimate goal. I want to. I, I, I'm working in my lab downstairs, and I'm and I'm really feel like I've worked out a lot of the bugs. So, so what 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 we've got on is our, our VR uh, headsets, and what you see before you is the Bay Area Pub. I put that's this right. together this week. Uh, you know, I've been really uh, slaving, um, you know, over the computer for this. It's got every cliche that I could think of related to uh, San Francisco area. So, what, what do you think of the uh, the front of the pub? Look, look all right. The front, the front, the front looks all right. I, I want to walk inside. You know, I mean, a lot of people when they when they think of the Bay Area, of course, San Francisco, or just California in general, they say San Francisco or L.A. Uh, I grew up in Oakland, which is in, uh, across from the Bay Bridge where the war. Uh, where the Warriors play, they play in East Oakland, but I grew up in West Oakland. But yeah, this is this is nice. I see that you have you got both you got both bridges. Okay, so we start off with the San Francisco, and as we walk in, I see a little bit of the, the Bay Bridge as well. So thank this you. Is, this, this is nice. This I, is nice. I worked on that, you know, and as you can see, uh, okay, now we're now that we're inside, you can see uh, a lot of holograms. We got hippies. We got <laughs> we got beatniks. Um, on the on the wall, you're gonna see uh, some Anchor Steam photos. Uh, and Oakland Raider posters from the 80s. Got you. So the, the good times. The I, good times. I, you know, this is, again, uh, just spitballing. This is what I think of when I think of Oakland and, and San Francisco. One thing, and, and if, I, if I made a mistake, is if you see Frisco written anywhere around here, <laughs> i got to fix that code because... It's got to be the SCO. I mean, most, most people, I mean, don't say in the Bay, don't say Frisco. It would just be like going to the city or going to the SCO. Going to the SCO, I said I didn't know about that. Yeah, the SCO is the SCO is simple. It's it's a it's the most people say Frisco, but 
those out of towners. Oh. Uh, most, yeah. yeah. If you're from Oakland, Richmond, if you're uh, Vallejo, just any part close to the bay, you're going to say to scope because it's just simple. Sure. You know where you're going. Oh, well, good to know. And, and you'll notice about every 15 minutes, fog will roll through the bar. <laughs> That's a San Francisco uh, treat for you oh. is that fog. Good. Fantastic. Okay, so um, uh, let's uh, head on over, you know, to the bar. It's a little quieter over on this side. Uh, I've got some Northern California music playing. Uh, okay. Do you have any requests for the Jukes box? Oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to play some, uh, let's, let's bring a classic. Let's, let's play some, uh, let's play some E-40. Let's, let's play some, uh, some Tell Me When to Go, because that was my days in high school. All right. <laughs> no, actually, in college. <laughs> and that came out in 2000. Uh, got big in 2004. So we'll just we'll just put that on just for a good vibe to feel. Okay, that, be ready for it. It, it will okay. be it'll be flowing. Um, so before we order our drinks, I, I just I got to get some compliments out of the way. You do such a good job uh, with beer talk now, um, with interviewing brewers. You put your subjects at ease. You know what? What's your secret? What? Why are you good at this? Do you think? I, 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 first of all, thank you for even saying that. I'm good at it. I, really, where I come from is I'm humbled that I know nothing when it comes to beer, and I'm interviewing people who do this on a day-to-day basis, um, and it's so many different avenues that they come from. I mean, I, the episode actually that I'm releasing today is from Bear Bottle, and they're in San Francisco. And you have uh, you have a mechanical engineer who does the fermentation side for Bear Bottle, and then you have a um, you have Kelsey who's uh, the brewer on the brew side, like the hot side, and she came from uh, she came from uh, doing software, and and I forgot exactly what her major was, but there the backgrounds when it comes to beer, I think a lot of brewers are just so diverse when it comes to what they've done mm-hmm. uh, in their life prior to becoming. Uh, a brewer or, or opening a brewery so I just keep that humbleness and, and tell myself like it's okay to not know <laughs> yeah I, I I fall into a trap and you know I've been writing about beer for a while where I'll anticipate what they're gonna say or I like to show off a little bit when they refer to a type of yeast and I'll be like yeah that's that kind of yeast and usually I'm wrong because I've misremembered <laughs> and it just it throws a you know a wrench in the whole thing so um, yeah. Now, I, I listened to uh, specifically the most recent one, the one you did on uh, East Brother, and, yeah. and then Barrel House. I mean, that that guy that that's there, Galuli, I think his yeah, name Yeah, John, John Galuli, a legend. He's been legend everywhere. His resume is... Legend in the Bay. Oh. Yes. So, for my listeners, check out those two, and then, you know, listen to... Uh, all of beer talk yeah. now, and that and that last one was the uh, the Barrel House Adventures of John Galuli, yes. and that's uh and that and you're you're in for a load of fun listening to John Galuli because he holds no punches. I mean, he's been probably over 20 years in the in the brew world, and I'm talking about from Dogfish Head mm. to you you I mean you name it, he's been there. So yeah, he just has he has no filters, and um, he just he's earned that he's earned that that right because that's just who he is. A but B. He just has that experience. So, sure. what you what you can tell him, he's probably seen it or some variation of it. So it's just a great interview. All right. So let's uh, let's order a beer. I'm gonna um, get that barkeep over here. I don't I don't have a name for this guy. Uh, we, let's call let's call the barkeep Earl. We got, we got, Earl. We'll keep it. We'll keep it with the E40 theme. We'll go with the Earl. Earl, my man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm gonna order. I'm feeling like uh, you know a lager. Uh, I'm gonna okay. order a fest beer. From Counterweight, 
they're in Hamden, Connecticut, the, and uh, their German-style lager is supposed to be really, uh, really good. So uh, nice. I'm hoping. You got for the lager. Right? Yeah, you got the uh, you got now. Now the straw that I sent is upgraded since uh, the, my last one. Uh, you know, this one is recyclable. Uh, okay. But but then again, it may it may fall apart uh, in delivery of product. But you know we'll we'll, we'll take that as it comes. Um, what are you going to order? You know, I'm because because we're in the Bay and I and I like uh, I definitely want to support our Oakland breweries and that we have we have several. Uh, but I'm gonna go with a, a Hellas Lager from Oakland United Beer Works, and the, the name of their lager is called uh, Hellasaurus Rex. So the the Hella part comes from the Hellas, but the actual a on the hella is just for Bay Area reference, and, and people in so- SoCal use it too. I mean, in California, you're just gonna hear that, that was hella good, um, hella tired. You're just gonna hear a, a lot of hella. So it's an on. it's an adverb, right? That's it, correct. It, whatever comes after it is is made more intense with the hella. Yeah, you you absolutely right. Is there an opposite of hella, like where it's not very? <laughs> uh, not that not that I can think of. All right, I mean, well, and, we'll make, Earl, can you can you do that for us? All right. Appreciate it, Earl. Oh. I like him. I like him. His hair is a little long, but um, it's, it's, hey, I'm, I, I, you, you've seen my hair. You know, I've, I've done. The, I started dreading it up probably about a year and a half ago. So I'm, I'm trying to just get to the shoulders and nice, <laughs> nice flowy locks to the shoulders, and then I'll, I'll be done, and I'll just maintain it there oh, as long I'm, as I can. I'm rooting for you. That sounds like a great choice. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about growing up and your um, your introduction to beer? Yeah. So. With me, uh, growing up in, in Oakland, beer, especially in the 90s, like people really, if you weren't in the microbrew or nano brew scene, you didn't know much about beer. Um, my uncles, not all of them uh, drunk beer. My uncle Leonard, I laugh at him all the time because he's like, I never, I never want to drink piss water. He's like, if <laughs> sure. I want to drink alcohol, give me some vodka, tequila, <laughs> yeah. some Hennessy, some cognac, something of that nature. Um, but it was one time at a uh, at a family event. It might have even been my uncle's uh, wedding because my uncle Winter actually got married in, in our uh, in our yard on on 32nd and Magnolia. And uh, I think somebody had brought a Coors. It probably was my cousin Jeff. And my cousin Jeff, he used to drink a lot of the the 40 ounces. Sure. Um, most most of them was malt, malt liquor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, some of the 40 ounces were just typical lagers, so um, like Old English. And I'm trying to think of a couple of the ones that always came in those 40 ounce bottles. But I, I remember tasting that Coors at that event. And it, it, as, a, as a kid, it was just like, ah, that's it's just, you know, your cousin and uncle letting you, you taste some. But I was like, eh, didn't really phase me. It was really bitter. But it, at the end of the day, that was a lager. But that just lets you know how uh, new my palate was to, to beer. But my actually my actual uh, first beer that I actually drunk as a person to say, hey, I want to try craft beer it was a Trumer Pilsner, and that's uh, Trumer in in Berkeley, California. Okay. And they have they have a brewery tap room there, and my cousin and I went there uh, one night, and I had that Pilsner, and it really reminded me uh, somewhat of the uh, Coors, just because of the way that it's set on the palate. Yes. And from there, I just started venturing out. Um, and this was later on, because in my twenties, of drinking hard alcohol, but. Yep. I was never a big hard alcohol person anyway. Yeah. Uh, I was just my, my cousins. We, my younger cousin, he was wanted to drink when he wanted to hang out with friends. And we were like, no, we don't know those guys. And we've always seen from college and even when we were younger, seeing a lot of people when they drink, they were angry drunks or they would let somebody get really wasted and just kind of like leave them. Sure. Uh, so we weren't, we weren't about that life at all. So 
we we did that for a while, but really the beer kept calling because no matter what event we went to, whether it was going to a club, whether it was at a pool party or whatever the case may be, some someone always brought beer. Yeah. So from from that aspect, getting into that craft beer scene of the true uh, Trumer Pilsner, I jumped into okay, let me look at some loggers, and I and I had I went back to the cores for loggers. Uh, then we started talking about I jumped from that straight into porters and stouts and so i'm probably late 20s and my porters and stouts and this my was cousin, in the early 2000s at this yes, point yes this yeah it's early well yeah about yeah about the mid about the mid 2000s because i'm 30 i'm 35 now so okay. that's like this like mid 2000s um so 202010 let's say about that 2010 2012 2010 uh and so we still were still drinking hard alcohol but most of the time it was always we got to either chase it with a beer, which I know a lot of people are going to like, chase a hard alcohol with a beer. But yep, <laughs> either chase it with a beer or we would just drink the beers uh, until we went out. But the, the stouts and porters, I like them because, A, the, the mouthfeel is very robust. Uh, it, filled, it filled you up. A lot of people didn't like drinking stouts and porters because they were really heavy. So mm. they, they really stayed away from them. But me, I like the maltiness and the, the coffee and a lot of those different notes that you get from uh, certain porters and stouts if, if people uh, introduce ingredients at a specific time, uh, which I knew nothing about, uh, but I do now because of all the, all the uh, experience. And then, as I tell the story all the time, my cousin introduced me to Belgians. I was, I was a staunch stout guy. Like, sure. you, could, you could tell me no wrong with the stout. I right. thought that was 9%, 10%. That was, that was it. Stouts were the highest ABV that I knew, and we were weaning off the of hard alcohol, so we were going to that. And then he introduces me to a, it had to be a triple because it was a 10.5. And oh, I'm yeah. trying to remember trying to remember the exact uh, beer it was, but I had that Belgian and I was like, man, this is amazing. Like the spice that you got, like um, the cinnamon, the, it, it just was, it was, it was just so different from what I had, uh, and, which is a great thing about beer. You think you've had all the beer in the world and then you have a, something totally uh, different and you're just like, where did this come from? But it's different to you, but. People have been drinking it for I don't know how long. Um, right, this, this big secret is suddenly revealed. Exactly, to you. But everybody yeah. else is like, yeah, we've been drinking this for about two years now. Yeah. Um, so I had that. For a couple hundred other, years. There you go. Yeah, even if we want to talk about, you know, when the beginning of beer, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I started to venture out. and I, I'm a big person on malt. malt. I love malt. The barley malt to me is just like, it makes a beer. Uh, and... I started to search for that. Then I got into barrel age and barrel age. I haven't barrel age to me is still hands down. Anything that's a barrel age stout, barrel age porter. I've even had a uh, barrel age Belgian. Uh, to me, when you put those whiskey notes, those the uh, bourbon notes, the rye. A lot of beer is using rye now or using the rye barrels. Those those multi characteristics come out even more. So. That's where I'm at now. That's like my favorite beer. So I don't care if it's 150 degrees outside. You're gonna, if you got a barrel aged out on the tap or draft, then I'm taking it. I'm picturing a lot of snifter glasses and tulip <laughs> glasses in your collection. I, I I don't have a big glass collection. I was working on that, but it's just it's you, you oh, get crazy. Don't you get carried don't away. don't yeah. Give them <laughs> if somebody gives you something for free, you say thank you very much, and then you pass it on to somebody else. I, there we go. I, I mean, I'm, you I'm gotta keep that in mind. 
Yeah, t- take it from someone who, you know, uh, has been given a lot of stuff along the years. You, mm. <laughs> you, you end up collecting it, and then you just go, oh, this, this, no, I'm, I can't move this to one more apartment. <laughs> See, now you understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay, so the light just came on, which, I mean, hopefully our beer is ready. So go. uh, I'm going to give mine a sip here. This, again, okay. is the Fest beer. It's okay. All right. I, I, no, so this time um, you can pour it from the straw into a glass. That's another Oof. big uh, improvement. So you don't have to go drinking it from the straw. So you can really tell me what it looks like. Mine is like a real straw-like color. Uh, you know, it's not, it's, not, uh, it, it's got a light, you know, light head that breaks up real easy. Getting a lot of that uh, malt in there for sure. Yeah, for the, so for the the Hellas, what I like about this, it's not necessarily all the way translucent. It's not that um, kind of gold goldenish type of color sure. that you typically get from like a lager. It is there. It's a little darker than that. Really? Um, it's kind of yeah. It's a little for a Hellas, I mean Hellas is. Yeah, I Hellas. think that means light or you know very bright or something like right. that. So yeah. Well, and this with this one, and I don't know, I forgot the exact type of malt they use, but this one's a little darker. Uh, a little, a little more dark, darker than golden is probably like in that, uh, like someone dropped like a, a hint of like a ruby or or a burgundy. So it's not, um, it's not, it's not too light, but the nose on it definitely has a, a nice crisp, uh, multi nose. Uh, you get a, you get a little bit. Uh, you, get, you get the hops in there too, but it almost has that that yeast smell of like bread or something of that nature. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's that's really great. I've discovered the word crackery, and I'm just going to use it nice. all the time, <laughs> whether or not it's the fr- yeah, it's crackery. I I just crackery. like it. I like the way it's up. Um, who makes uh, who makes that Hellas again? So the uh, Oakland United Beer Works. So shout out to Ian uh, and Ralph. Uh, Ian's the head brewer. Ralph is the assistant. Uh, brewer there, and then Jay, who's the tavern manager. Who, if when people get a chance, if they go on the, the Beer Talk Now Instagram page, you'll see that I did a uh, beer release. I, I went to Oakland United, and uh, tavern manager Jay had on a uh, dinosaur uh, inflatable uh, costume. I saw so that. Was, yeah, so da- yeah, so he was dancing around, and and it was just good time. So I really like those guys. So yeah, we've had really long, deep conversations that I don't even know how I got there. Uh, but when you start drinking beer, that's just what happens. So tell me a little bit about what the Bay Area scene is like. I don't know when I'll get a chance to come out there, but if I were to catch a flight, um, you know, what, what? How would you describe the scene there? I mean, right now with the with the changes that have happened, um, just because of Silicon Valley and a lot of people moving into the Bay Area, I think that a lot of breweries that were either uh, known for the people who are into craft uh, have exploded, meaning that you get even more breweries. So, just in the Bay Area alone, I'm thinking you probably got close to 100 breweries, if not if not more. Uh, wow. And that and that and that space. I mean, a lot of people say, well, what is the Bay Area? So, for me, growing up in Oakland, the Bay Area would be Richmond, uh, uh, Richmond, San Francisco, San Leandro, uh, San Lorenzo. You would probably I don't know how far if you would go to San Jose, but some people say San Jose, and then some people say Vallejo. Okay. And some of these places, like for me, for Oak, from Oakland to San Jose, could be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, depending on where you're going in San wow, Jose. it's a big and area. Yeah, so 
that's what a lot of people think. when they think of the Bay Area, they think that these cities are so close. But sure. even us, even us, when if you look on the map or, or graph and really be like, okay, well, what is considered the East, East Bay, then they got to separate it. Then Oakland, San Francisco is on the East Bay. You have the South Bay, North Bay, because it's just a wide territory. Yeah. Do all of these breweries have tap rooms? Is and and is there a, a typical Bay Area or you know Oakland uh, vibe about these breweries, or are they 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 all diverse? No, they're all diverse. So I mean, each brewery is going to bring its own flavor because uh, Berkeley, even though Berkeley and Oakland are right next to each other, the culture is different. San Francisco has a different culture. Alameda, which is like right next, I mean, it's pretty much into Oakland as well. That's that's a different culture as well. And you have three breweries over there that I know of, and there's probably more. Um, they all bring their own style. A lot of a lot of people, uh, especially on the West Coast, just in general, you're going to get IPAs. Uh, I don't know how your IPA scene is over there in Connecticut. We but are currently awash with New England style IPAs. New England, yeah. So hazy the, I mean, or die. <laughs> hazy or die. Okay, so there's a lot of hazy out here. It's a lot of uh, West Coast that, that's coming back. I mean, a, a lot of the breweries are bringing back the lager. Uh, and that, and that's because at the end of the day, no matter where you are, lagers still sell the most. Uh, yeah. And I think that, I think that breweries have uh, stopped having their nose up in the air when it comes to a lager. And they're really, uh, really just the brewers wanting to drink something that's not going to either uh, kill their palate because it's uh, they've made it too hoppy or they're just tired of, the hops or the malts and they just want something that's really crisp and refreshing uh that's that's in the five percent range or five and a half percent range that they can drink all day which a lot of brewers tell me they just want to drink something casually something that's not filling in them filling them up absolutely um you know the the scene in connecticut is such that there are a lot of industrial parks and a lot of old mills that were in disuse and have been repurposed and turned into rather industrial-looking uh, breweries. So if you go in, you'd see a lot of steel, you'd see a lot of, you know, stained wood, but, you know, kind of kind of harsh and angular. I think that's the way I would put You see a little bit of color, you know, popping here and there, but, um, you know, what, what uh, are you seeing something similar there as well, or are you seeing... Uh, so, so in the Bay Area, like I said, because it's so many different breweries, you can have, like in San Francisco, a lot of breweries, like a Bear Bottle, for example, they, they were in a, um, I want to say, I don't want to call it an older side of town, but the actual building was very old. So it's like a lot of um, sheet metal, and then you have you have your steel beams and some wooden beams because they built like an office of, of stairs, but it was just a big warehouse. And a lot of the a lot of the breweries that are probably mid-sized, you can probably see in a, in a warehouse, some of them. They make it nicer, like the Bear Bottle, for example, in Santa Clara, which is towards the South Bay and San Jose area. They have a tap room there, so their tap room is new. So they, it, it's nice. It's by a Whole Foods, so everything looks nice and pretty and, and, and shiny. But a lot of the breweries, uh, to your point, like they, uh, they revamp your older areas, and, and they want to. They look at, actually, they're really looking for that that cost to not be as high. It's sure. cheaper. To, it's cheaper to get something that's really old and talk to a landlord about your updating it versus buying something brand new, especially with the pricing in the Bay Area. What are you um, seeing in terms of the people who are running these breweries? Um, are, one of the things that I tend to see are people who are in their second career, 
um, they often worked in insurance or worked uh-huh. in an office, and they kind of got the homebrew bug, and uh, now they're they're taken yeah. to this. They're almost um, all white, uh, almost all male. There are a few wives that are involved in the ownership yep. or girlfriends, and they're also uh, you know a few brewers. We have one African American uh, brewer and owner uh, in in Connecticut. We have about a hundred breweries. What about diversity in in, in terms and, of and the, uh, and the Bay Area? And I think with the with California and the Bay Area, a lot of people have that uh, misconceived notion that um, because you always see us as a uh, California see it as a blue state in the Bay Area because the LGBTQI community and mm-hmm. and the Black Panthers and things like that, there were one nice homogenous uh, mixture, and it's it's far from the case. You're I mean, not. Again, no, not at all. Oh man, see <laughs> I mean, again, but, and, like, all yeah. these. Just dashed. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I mean, but what you're saying is not is, is going to be typical when it comes to uh, beer, because again, people, uh, black people in particular, they're not seen as people who are going to be going to to breweries and paying a uh, ten dollars for a for a ten ounce pour or something that's like a nine or ten percent. Mm-hmm. So to your to your point, yes, you see the same thing, mostly male, mostly white, and you do have. Uh, some wives that either are co-owners or are running the tap room or who who may actually uh, brew. But uh, one of the brewery, one of the uh, home brewers that are t- working to turn into a brewery is uh, it's called Helicoastal. Okay. And they're uh, two uh, two African Americans who again they grew up in Oakland. And we did an interview that I need to uh, I'm going to be uploading, but I actually got a video recording as well. Nice. Uh, and I shout out to my dad for helping me with that. <laughs> but <laughs> he, he's filming. He's a he's a videographer as well, cinematography. So wow. he uh, he's he started helping me to get this YouTube channel up. But Great. the uh, the, t- the two gentlemen, Chase and and uh, excuse me, Chaz and, and Mario, they they schooled me on some things. I mean, the Bay Area did have uh, it's called it was called Brothers Brew, which I believe was I don't want to say it, it was in Oakland, but I got to double check that. Mm-hmm. But they were. Their focus, they were in the 90s, so their focus were they wanted to be as competitive as a Budweiser or Coors. Um, and that was the first uh, black-owned brewery here in the Bay Area that we know of. And nice. i got to do, do more of my research. But they, they say the same thing you, you say when you walk into the, I guess, I want to say the business side. Because, again, I'm, I'm a, I do a show that's focused on paying homage to brewers, but I'm not into the weeds too much when it comes to the business. But in the business side or when you go to... Uh, the Bay Area Brewers Guild, uh, or the Great American, uh, is it the Great American Beer Conference or, or Fest where beer they send festival, in their yeah. beer festival where they send in their beers to to be judged? I mean, the majority of, of the people you're going to see are going to be are going to be white white males, uh, and it doesn't take away from the fact that there are a lot of black brewers, like in California in general, like you have Crown and Hops there in uh, Inglewood, uh, mm-hmm. California, which is in, in, in close to L.A. They They've they've been pushing. They actually have a eight, it's called eight eight trill or eight pill, which is a pilsner that they're donating up the proceeds to continue to help more black brewers. Which and there's a lot of home brewers. I mean, like you, to your point, a lot of brewers, uh, white male brewers, started off either doing home brew uh, by themselves. Their friend was doing home brew. They jumped in, and then they turned around and were like, hey, let me let me do a change of career. Uh, and they just had those connections and the, the opportunity with their friends to network to build a business. Most of the brewers that I talk to that that are white, they either, to your point, their spouse puts in with them and they buy, they start up a brewery, or they have a group of friends who become co-founders and they are 
and they're starting it that way. And I think for uh, Af- African Americans in particular, because people have this uh, preconceived notion that black people don't drink beer, yeah. that when when they come in and they're looking for capital to start these breweries, I mean, the cost in the Bay Area in the '90s was nowhere near what it is now. But mm. again, after the 2000s and and uh, when Silicon Valley literally showed that it was going to be staying, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> uh, then then I think um, a lot of people were like, oh, this is great. And so then the cost of living just continued to increase over and over because more and more uh, transients are, are moving in and making the Bay Area their home. Well, I mean, you're seeing a more of a focus nationally, and I think Weathered Souls out of um, uh, Texas has, yep. has done a great service in terms of sharing a recipe for Black is Beautiful and uh-huh. uh, you know, you're really starting to see like uh, beer culture kind of really trying to expand what beer is. Um, have you uh, felt welcomed? Uh, did, have you, where do you see this going? Do you think this is, it, that beer is going to diversify? Uh, that, when I talk to, when I talk to brewers uh, of color, they're, they're apprehensive of it. Uh, and the reason is being because right now it's all it's all the the rave and the trend to to do it. Uh, some sure. breweries some breweries have always been donating to their local community, and, and again with brewer, breweries, they are all different. So they a lot of them focus on being the community beer. So they've been giving back to the community in which, whichever way. But I think that what Weather Soul has done and people uh, tagging on as long as they're giving either half or all of the proceeds. That's just showing some camaraderie, and you have to applaud that it's that is being done. Because to not do anything, uh, you would get probably get complained about, <laughs> complained yeah. to, and um, to do something, you're going to get a complaint or a critique. So at the end of the day, uh, it's it's a beautiful thing that is happening. As far as do I feel welcome? I mean, when I come, when I walk into a brewery, I'm I'm there for the beer. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I'm a black male. Like I, I wake up every morning, look in the mirror, and I see that my, my skin color is. Well, it's not black, but it's brown, mm-hmm. um, and so that's that's just that's just a given. So that's not a that's not a really concern for me. Sure. I think a lot of times, uh, which someone told me actually, uh, Josh Diggs, who's the brand ambassador for Timiskau Brewery in North Oakland, uh, he he said networking is key, and I think for a lot of black brewers, when you walk into a space and everyone's looking at each other and it's not even before you open your mouth you already have preconceived notions of one another and that's because of media that's because of the history of this country mm-hmm. we're all we're all thinking uh, whether it's uh, discrimination or this this person's not going to like me because of this or this person's not going to treat me fairly all this is in our minds before we even open our mouths but with beer and why i think people are i think what a lot of black brewers are pushing for is that beer can be inclusive uh because at the end of the day just like we're doing right now we're sitting here in the virtual bar we're <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're drinking beer and we're, we're talking about these issues and we're not going to solve it today no um, no but yeah. what it is is to show that when you look around you and if all your and this is goes for any of us if all our friends are the same uh, culture as as we are they all have the same skin tone that we do and we don't have any other group of people that will either agree or disagree with our stance on things and then we should look at ourselves and say well what what am I learning yeah because if you just get into your microcosm of well these are my friends and they talk this one way and we all feel this one way about this certain group or this certain thing but we have nobody that has any experience or or, or life in that 
world that we're talking about, then really we're ignorant to it. And that goes both ways, mm-hmm. uh, whether whether you're white, whether you're black, Asian, whatever the case may be. You need a diverse group of people, not because you want to be in a kumbaya moment, but because you learn something. <laughs> Absolutely. And and you learn something not by saying, okay, uh, let's all sit down and very soberly talk about race. You just right. learn something, you know, tangentially from someone's story, their past, their, you know, wh- whatever it is you could be talking about. Um, I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick example and then you can, we can jump onto the, just to continue the conversation, but. Uh, a friend of mine, he's a chef. He's Vietnamese. His name is Tu Fu, Chef Tu Fu. Chef Tu Fu. Uh-huh. Uh, so shout out to Tu Fu. He and I were setting up uh, a time to do our pod, uh, our podcast episode, and he um, he met one of our friends who is now a cop, I believe, in, in Berkeley. Mm. And they met they met at Paris, right, out of all places. They oh. haven't seen each other since high school <laughs> in Oakland, and they meet each other in Paris out of the, out of the blue. Excuse me, out of the burp. Oh, um, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. They had to meet each other in Paris. They just met each other in Paris out of the blue. But the conversation that they had was about uh, in Oakland Tech. When we were in Oakland Tech, we had a daycare at Oakland Tech. Now, for for this for this friend of ours who is now a cop in Berkeley, a lot of the cops are sitting and talking and talking about their background. A lot of the cops that are in Berkeley, Oakland, a lot of them don't live in the Bay Area. They live outside of it. So they mm-hmm. may be Santa Clara, close to Silicon Valley. They may be in uh, Tracy or Modesto which could be an hour, hour and a half away. But that conversation was brought up. And to two, he was like, he wanted to get my take on it. And we were going to talk about this more in the, the episode, he and I. But he got from our friend that a lot of people, when he, our friend told him, told them that we had a daycare, they were like, oh, that's that was horrible. And I'm just, and I was like, it's not horrible. It's reality. I mean, there there's a lot of people who have kids, teenage years. I mean, yeah. a lot of our parents' parents, <laughs> were born to 16, 17, and 18-year-olds. Eight, but it also was, for me, it was uh, eye-opener because I got to, I saw these people people daily, these these women who had uh, children and these, mm-hmm. these, these, these young boys who were attempting to be uh, men and fathers mm-hmm. by being there and going to the daycare and all that. And I was like, they're just everyday people. And I think that when we start, well, that is, to me, that's a very clear example of, just because your experience is different, a lot of people are like, well, that that's not going to breed anything because everybody's going to have babies because you have a daycare. Like, that's not that's not reality. <laughs> so it's amazing. It, so, it's so a crazy they, thing. They set up this thing that's supposed to be good. And yeah. the first thing that people think about is you know, the negative implications. Or if you're going to they offer this, to... <laughs> they're going to suddenly start having kids. Exactly. And they wanted to shut it down, actually, when I when oh. I started that. When I started at Oakland Tech, they wanted a lot of the parents uh, did not want the daycare there, uh, and my mom was a proponent of keeping it, and and so was I because I was like I don't understand how it affects me. Like you're telling me how it's going to affect me, but you're not me. So that's kind of that's that's kind of weird, and I think that's where uh, uh, us as adults, because I have a, a nine month old uh, daughter, right. but us as adults, we like to tell kids everything because of our experiences. But that doesn't mean that our lived experiences are going to be exactly the same. And I know that's different for different cultures, and especially being African-American. My mom's experience with authority or the cops or, or how she's treated as, uh, as a black woman could be similar to my experience or it could be uh, vastly different. But the thing is, is that you have to open your mind and be uh, more, uh, not inclusive, but just more um, more critical of how you portray what you know 
onto a situation without knowing what the situation is. Was your mom a big influence on your life? Oh, definitely. She was, my mom used to do uh, the, we had a principal at Oakland Tech for a time and my mom actually was a, uh, she would do the, the security, the security guard walk around, make sure students were going to class. Oh, wow. And, and that was an initiative that the principal started to have more parents involved to keep, keep kids from skipping school and really trying to learn something. And it was funny to me because a lot of the kids would be like, Hey man, I just saw your mom. And, and most of these kids I, I grew up with, I'm talking about, I went to elementary school, middle school, and high school with all the same kids, sure. which was really, which was really fun because I got to see that our, we all saw our, our progressions. But I would be, I was like, my mom tells me every day when she's going to show up. Like I'm, I'm not bothered by it. Right. <laughs> not threatened by it. Yeah, exactly. Because I know I'm doing what I need to do as far as trying to learn something. It's just, it's what you're doing and what you need to be concerned about because she knows your mom and <laughs> she's going to call your mom if she sees you not in class. So it was, it was, it was crazy times. I bet. What fun. What did you gravitate toward uh, in school? What was your, what were some of your, uh, your better um, subjects? My better subjects, uh, believe it or not, we had a, well, we, Oakland Tech still does, is uh, the Engineering Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. So I did, I did well in physics. Um, now, when it came to like uh, AutoCAD and doing um, uh, uh, descriptive geometry uh, for engineering, I was not, uh, it took me a while, <laughs> let's put it like that. Uh, but the physics, once I buckled down with the physics and try to make sense of the forces, uh, pulling and, and pushing and all that, then it, 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 it tied, tied well. So math was, was, pretty, was pretty decent in math, but I think it was more so uh, English for me that was good because I love running my mouth as you can tell uh, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and then to write uh, to in a write good way essays. in a good way <laughs> thank you appreciate it but to write to write essays um in high school didn't really do too good but when I got into college and were taking a lot of cultural studies classes african-american native american mm. um asian american classes I I just wrote a lot of papers and it was just fun so Learning about cultures is fun, and I think that's how it transitions for me with beer, because beer is a culture, and you meet, to your point, you meet so many different people from so different, so many different walks of life, that if the more people come in with more different pers with different perspectives, then you create a culture that's uh, not even about being diverse, but that is resilient. And I yeah. think that's what a lot of people don't understand when they're when when they hear African Americans talking about inclusion into the beer world. It's it's about resiliency. The more you adapt your culture uh the the better your culture becomes it's not going to always be perfect hmm. but it's, it's it's stronger like something with covid right now i mean the thing about it, there's probably a lot of brewers that never wanted to do cans they never wanted to do to, do to go orders yeah um and a lot of them are starting to realize as people come and pick up these beers that it's not just a fully white audience mm. and 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 by and by and by COVID not not happening, I don't think that the beer industry or even this even the world in general would be open to this idea that this thing that was constructed called race is being detrimental to our growth oh, as, a, as as a society. And that's and see, people are kind of like, why are you tying these in together, Daryl? It's like it's very simple. Three things in this society for me, I think, push. Uh, our society that's art which could be music entertainment what have you uh food and alcohol those three things are across the board are connected by every culture no matter if it's people in the in the amazon who 
don't who don't associate too much with our our western civilizations or the most westernized person so yeah you got you got to constantly be adaptive to your surroundings and to your culture which is why i think you know we're drawn to these things in, in times of of stress and and and, and struggle um, mm-hmm. uh, the comfort food, the, the 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 beer that you've always had, the TV yep. show that you've always watched. You know, you these go. are these are the elements, and and I think you've got an, a, a very salient point there, by saying that this draws us all together at a time when we need it most. Yeah, and and that's just I think beer to me is that catalyst because beer you're not unless you're really just knocking back. Eleven uh, percent or twelve percent ABV beer, then you're not you're not you really getting yeah you're not going to get hammered <laughs> like you would off of vodka or right. Excuse me, burped again. This is coming out. This is great. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, and I, you know what? You know what's great? This VR is so good. I can smell it. Ah, thank you. Nice. Appreciate it. <laughs> Had onions. But I, uh, <laughs> I have any onions? Though. No, <laughs> well, it's, 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 all right. I got some something I gotta work out. Uh, yeah, I um if um. When we get back to going out and seeing people again, I think there are certain things that are, you know, going to going to stick, and um, and and some of them, you know, are going to be related to this, you know, togetherness and keeping it, you know, uh, keeping connected, you know, to people, uh, when you when you took it for granted before. Yep. Now you've been to a lot of breweries because of your podcast, uh, Beer Talk mm-hmm. Now, but also just because you love beer. Uh, give right. me your, your uh, uh, let's say top three. What are three things that you look for and love in a in a brewery? First thing, you got to have flights. If you don't have flights in a brewery, then I don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, you're making it harder on your beer tenders to provide a service of someone finding a beer who they may or may not like. So that's the first thing. Yeah. The, sec- the second thing is, uh, I'm going to say the beer tender, because the beer tender, uh, he, sh- he or she can really put you in a place where it's like, wow, I've never tried this beer. I'm glad you mentioned that to me. Or I don't know what I, I like because I've never been to this brewery and I, I have an idea of IPAs I like or I have an idea of stouts or lagers or porters. But What's, what's different about yours? And, and, and they can have that conversation with the, the, your patron of what it is that they're looking for. Because I think anybody who walks into a brewery, even if they don't like beer, they're still walking into a brewery because they want to become a part of the world of beer. So so invest you in your beer tenders. And other get, got to. Yeah. Get, get them. Get them. I mean, uh, some of them get get so far as their uh, you know Cicerone level uh, servers, but just the really curious and, and ones that that are communicate well. I think it, that's a really good point. Yeah, and the ones who actually just in, enjoy it. I mean, I, yeah. we understand that it's a job. Everyone is has worked a job to get experience, whether they they may or may not like. Uh, what they were doing at the point in time because I'm not going to say not like the job because if you didn't like the job you wouldn't go there but I know we have to pay bills so just trying to look at it in a different aspect but if you the, the more people you get who are really interested in it with beer tenders um, it's, 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 it gets it gets so much familiar that you'll a person will walk in they'll see the beer tender they'll be like hey and the beer tender will see them and then they'll be like hey I know what you want I'll get that for you in a minute isn't that great and, and, and that and that that's where you that's why everybody like cheers for crying out loud right I mean, that was why that show was so great 
because people were like, yeah, everybody knows your name. I mean, it was in the song. They don't, they, <laughs> the exactly. they don't know my name. They, they, they go, hey, beer guy. <laughs> and there you go. That works, though. Good they, enough. They know, they know you. And then the third thing is just, uh, how, how, I know it might be um, insignificant to some people, but I'm going to say like the seating arrangements. Um, oh. A lot of the, and that can be, that can just be uh inclusive into the environment if you want to put it that way but just where you how how your tables are set up like what's 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 your flow path for your person for your person who's coming in to get beer mm. or if you have a food truck or you serve food like how is that set up is it inviting is it is, are the tables close together or are they like really separated far apart mm-hmm. and and people are really not getting involved with one another and i think some breweries like uh, the german style brewery Oh, that I, I went to uh, in in San Mateo. Yeah, I would say San Mateo because they serve German style uh, sausages. Excuse me, and um Cause and, and 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 meats. With um with them, they had all bench seating, so you just had to get down and sit down next to your neighbor, and it was it was great for me because I'm I love talking to people, so I just sat down. How you doing? And we started eating. Um, but some people are uncomfortable with that, and I think with beer. The, the way you put the seating can can really make that social aspect even better yeah. um, to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's excellent point. Um, because you know, imagining a time past all this when we can all sit next right next to each other, a big long table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it helps. I'm an extrovert when it comes to beer, especially after the second one. And uh, <laughs> you know, talking to somebody isn't so creepy or weird, you know, in that environment. Um, yeah. sure, of course, if you're giving off a creepy, weird vibe, then you, you know, you yeah. should be shunned. But uh, <laughs> so many cool people at, at Brewers. Now, uh, let me flip it. What are your top three pet peeves when it comes to Brewers? Ah, that's a that's a good question because I haven't really thought about that. I mean, not having flights is probably like my biggest uh, right. pet peeve. Like, I don't. You can be the smallest brewery, um, and you can only have three beers on on yeah. draft, uh, but give a flight for all three all three beers and i mean actually the cost breakdown uh for some for a lot of brewers that i talk to some i mean the flights typically yeah you maybe feel like you're giving more beer but it's the amount that you're actually pouring i mean a full pint you think about it the typical pint costs what anywhere from eight to ten dollars yeah you're you're flying and that's uh and so you're talking about 16 ounces or yeah uh, and if you're, you're if you're european you're thinking 20 uh but when you get a flight, I mean, you're getting anywhere from a three to a five ounce four, uh, typically four. But I mean, you're talking about 15, 20 bucks for, yeah. for a flight. And, and typically you're only doing four. So that's, right. a, that's only 12, that's only 12 ounces and you're, you're the person's paying $15. So actually the flights make make more money. I mean, a person may sip on that flight the whole the whole time that they're there but at the end of the day you just you just made five more dollars than you would on a pint it's a little bit more um a little more work to you know fill them all up and go back to the taps but um you know it's great presentation and it's really you know it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and somebody orders like a mexican restaurant somebody Mm -hmm. orders that you know, flaming thing or smoking <laughs> then, thing. Yeah, I know and they, about. they walk past everybody and they're like, oh, wow, what's that? So it's, it's kind of like this beautiful golden uh, advertisement <laughs> that they're that they're carrying and, through the bar. And, too. I, and Will and every brewery that I walked in and had a flight, I have never I've never seen a person just drink only the flight. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen that. And again, I, I don't have a whole bunch of experience in, in the 
the business side, but to me, if a person drinks a flight and then turns around and go and go gets a pint of the beer that they like the most out of the flight, now you've made twenty five dollars <laughs> instead of ten. So. So I'll ask the controversial question since we're still talking about pet peeves. Yes. Uh, pro animal, pro kid, anti kid, anti animal. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I'm I, I'm an animal lover. I like watching dog shows. So don't get me wrong. But do I want my dog in the brewery? No. No, you don't want kids, anybody else's dog in the brewery. No, not not at all. Not, now kids, I don't I don't have a problem with. Now if you have an outside area where the dog could. You know, if you have a little dog uh, dog park or something that the dogs can be in, then that's fine. But just allowing your dog to just hang out and sit down. I know, I know, we love our dogs, but I just don't need I don't need your dog in there. <laughs> like, I've never you. had a I've never had a bad experience with a person's dog that's in there, but I just don't I don't want your dog in there. Your dog can be at outside in the dog park area. Got it. <laughs> but not not in the brewery. The kids are fine. Okay. Kids are fine. Not, as, the, not the dogs. What if the kids are leashed? Is that that's even better? I don't. I mean, I'm not a big leash on the kids side person. I mean, you gotta you know, sit them next to you, put them uh, in a high chair, whatever you gotta do. Treat, you know, treat them like a like a person. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I I have a six month old, and we brought her to her second one, and she 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 does she loves it. Um, yeah. The only time I feel creeped out by kids are when they're like 14 or 15. <laughs> so it's like. You're like, I don't know where you're at, you know, on the side. And I and I'm a I'm a former, you know, middle school teacher. Right. I'm I'm fine with kids, but uh, something about seeing older kids. The teenagers. Hey, see, we can't. But see, Will, we're putting on that stereotype. We're thinking. You know what you're thinking? You're thinking about you as a teenager, and you're projecting that onto them. Right. <laughs> and like, right. What would I be doing? At a brewery at that age. You know what they're think, doing? They're thinking, right. how can I sneak a seltzer? <laughs> I want a hard, forget this beer, I want that hard seltzer. But I'm glad you brought that up because I was, and my mom is not a proponent of me giving uh, my nine month old daughter any sip of beer yeah. whatsoever. But I tell my mom, I was like, Mom, I, I, was, you, I was born in, in Heidelberg, Germany. And in Germany and, and other European uh, countries, kids are drinking beer at a very young age. Now, not nine months, I understand yeah. that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I'm just saying that we in America, it's like this society, we like we shun everything. We 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 shun sex, but then we show sex everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> we shun yeah. drinking, but we show drinking everywhere. It's like we shun guns, but every every Love movie, violence. Has a, yeah, every movie has a gun. Like it just to me, it makes no sense, and this is why. I think we have the issues that we have and we're portraying like, Oh, they shouldn't be doing that instead of like, well, as a 16, 17 year old, if you, if you were drinking beer or, or hard alcohol with your friends and doing crazy stuff and almost probably killed yourself from uh, uh, intoxication, yes, <laughs> why yes. wouldn't you want to, you know, I'm not saying to, to have, let, let them purchase a beer, but yeah, hard seltzer. I mean, most, most seltzers are like 5%. The only one I had that was higher than that was from John Galuli mm -hmm. at a Drake's Barrel House where he had a 13.5. Oh, um, I don't, and, does that even count as a seltzer? Uh, and he said he wanted to do a take to take on the seltzer. So I was like, that's, and when Galuli says something, that's what he does. So it was great. So wait, so wait you're, so you're German? Uh, no, I was born. I was born there. I didn't get a dual citizenship. Oh, so okay. I was born yeah, I was born on the army base, so you know, that's considered that's considered American soil. Uh, yeah, my dad, my father was in the the army uh, for a while, but yeah, that's, I just that's got to be just, your pilsner, your love of pilsner, your love of lagers. I, I, I mean, if they gave me some beer sometime in my in my young youth, which I don't think my mom did, but hey, 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we I was in a from a German American family and it was Budweiser all the time. So uh, Budweiser. Yeah, see? yeah. And I like I mean I like a good I like I, we used to drink uh PBRs too, like if we were just out and we wanted uh, me and my cousins and we just wanted a beer but we didn't want something heavy, we'd get a PBR. I mean it's just it's no knock to them they they do stuff consistently Solid. and that's just what what they do but i'm loving the fact that a lot of breweries are going back into lager space and there's so many people i know who don't like lagers they like my uncle's like i said about my uncle yeah. he thinks it's piss water it's but not enough yeah well that's that's because that's because that yeah because miller light and then all mm-hmm. that that it really is just an excuse to to get a small bit of alcohol in in your system but you know, when I go to Mets games, um, you know they have great craft beer uh, at this at City Field, but I, it just doesn't seem right. You know, when I'm and I'm sitting there, <laughs> give me a Miller Genuine Draft, you know, because it just you know. So you gotta change, but place. you gotta change it up, Will. You gotta be like, you know what? I yeah. know this might not feel right because I'm so used to seeing the Budweiser or Miller or whatever, but give me the craft brew. Yeah. I mean, give they're me gonna the- charge. They're charging you what? Fifteen? I mean, or twelve dollars? Right, and And I think I'd probably have to give up my daughter for the first one. (laughs) Uh, Yes, very expensive. (laughs) Right, no, and Brooklyn has some wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, breweries too. So um, yes, can't wait to go try those out. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's see. Um, What do you like about podcasting? What drew you to that? Uh, I love to run my mouth. <laughs> so I told him, I mean, at the end of the day, that's you this is don't what it is. run your mouth. Though. I've listened to your podcast. You let them talk. I know. Well, li- li- listen, Will, I've been talking pretty much the whole time. Back well, when you're I the guest. Questions. I you're know, the, right? If this I'm ever, you know, I'm not saying you should invite me on as a guest or have me on your Instagram live, which are amazing. Oh, yeah. I, n- uh, but but I'd be doing all the talking then, you know. Yeah, that's. But I mean, I, that's that. I think with podcasting I didn't I always listened to uh, radio like growing up as a kid and then when the podcast game came out a lot of people still weren't on it I think what happened is when people start saying wait podcasters are making what but they don't know the amount of time and and effort that it it, it, um, was put into it yes I think for me just podcasting is just it's a lovely way for me to sit down I mean like because of COVID uh, and because of our distance we're not sitting down face-to-face uh not over skype or, or instagram or facetime or whatever we're not uh or zoom we're just we're just we're, we would be sitting down having a beer and talking i think that just being able to hear someone else's story mm. is really what got me into it and i really wanted to the reason really why i started beer talk now was to show my appreciation to the brewers and the brew team and the and the and the uh, beer tenders and the tap room managers and the sales team like everybody who makes beer what it is so that I can drink it, I appreciate it. And I, I think a lot of podcasts um, don't necessarily focus on the brewers, and I think more are doing that. Um, but for me, it's like the beer is just there. Like I just want to showcase your art, but at the end of the day, I want to know your story. And that was the easiest way for me to, to do it. Like get a microphone and people want to talk. Just like hand them a beer and they'll, after a couple, like you said, they'll start telling you everything. And it's fun times. My thanks to D. Neal. You can hear his podcast at beertalknow.com. And please give him a follow on Instagram at beertalknow. His uh, Instagram live sessions are especially good. He gets uh, brewers right there on the uh, old uh, 
video right there and got some, you know, nice back and forth, good visuals. I see a future for this gentleman. Um, what am I drinking? Oh, thank you for asking because it is the after party. Take off your shoes, take off your socks, and relax. Um, I'm having a fest beer, uh, the one that I described in the uh, in the episode itself. Counterweight certainly does a wonderful job. I was just talking to someone today, and we were about both say at the same time. Um, I don't think Counterweight makes a bad beer. Uh, so get on over there if you're in the Hampton area, or pick up uh, Canada stuff. September twenty. Uh, let's see, September 18th. September 18th is Connecticut's first virtual beer festival. You can uh, purchase a ticket for $45. You can try two beers from uh, five different local Western Connecticut breweries. Connecticut's uh, Connecticut beer. Um, let's see, CT beer. Uh, man, Kevin Mardarf. Uh, he also does uh, beerfest.com. He's organized... Uh, this what he's calling the Great American Beer Festival Western CT pre-party. So um, yeah, uh, a lot of local breweries uh, taking part in this. Uh, Woodbury Brewing, um, New Salem, Great Falls, Broken Symmetry, Reverie. So uh, get your tickets by nine o'clock Sunday this Sunday, and. Um, Yeah, go to ctbeer.com for more info. We are in the thirsty 30, guys and gals. Bet you didn't know that. But um, that is what, uh, thanks to efforts by the Connecticut Brewers Guild, uh, we are calling September. Um, It's declared Connecticut Craft Beer Month in this state. So go to Connecticut.beer for more information. All right, I'm going to finish this beer and go to bed because it's already been a long week. I don't know about you, but uh, hey, until next time, sip well. Two, three, four.